First, you all need a round of applause for coming in on this cold day. Well done, everybody. You're all the hardcore. There's people sitting at home drinking their coffee right now going, oh, yeah, I should have gone in. The music always sounds better in here, doesn't it? Okay, I was uh, out meeting some new family yesterday. I was in Edmonton, and um, I'm sitting down with uh, somebody I just met. And they're telling me their story, and he says, I've been sober for 47 years. I was like, wow, that is impressive. You know, so he, you know he's, he was telling stories of his life, and it just it had gone down the toilet. He had destroyed so much. And to do that work, to find sobriety, and he's active in the 12-step program. You know, he's sponsored a million people. I don't know if that's an actual number, but let's just say... And as we're talking, uh, in my head I'm thinking, here is a guy whose life has been saved by 12-step, by AA. But at one point he goes, you know, AA is not for everybody. And then I realized, here's somebody who's on a journey to what we call stage four spirituality. Here's somebody whose life has been changed by a 12-step program. He could absolutely think in his mind, 12-step is for everybody. You need to do this. But he doesn't think that way. He's like, it's my journey. And if you want to come to 12-step, I will take you there. I will walk you through. It will be beautiful. But not everybody needs this program. We've been talking last little while about these ideas of stages of faith. Stage four, stage three, stage two. Stage two is traditional spirituality. And if you're hearing my voice right now and you fit in stage two spirituality, I just want to say that is amazing. Ignore everything else I say. Because stage two has this beautiful sense of we're all in this together. We all agree. My journey and your journey match. We all believe the same things. My mom lived in that journey. And in fact, she died through that stage. And it was beautiful because she had faith and she had certainty and it worked for her. But for some of us, and I think many of us here in the room today, we didn't fit stage two. For me, it was I asked the wrong questions. For some reason, my brain just could not buy it all. I had to ask the question of like, wait a second, but what about this, and how does this work? It pushed me into what we call stage three. Some of you, it's your relationships. Some of you, it's your sexuality. Some of you, it's where you live and how you live. What happens is we move into this idea where we start to question this one-size-fits-all system. And after years of that, I still live a lot in stage three where I ask questions. I ask hard questions. You guys hear it all the time. What about this? How about that? How does that work? Could it look like this? But if you listen to my friend who I just met, there's a way to a new journey. Stage three is about deconstructing. Stage four is about finding a journey that's perfect for each of us. It doesn't deal in black and whites. Everyone needs 12-step. No one needs 12-step. No, no, no. It's way more nuanced than that. It doesn't deal in this one-size-fits-all where everyone should look like this and no one should look like that. It says, no, no, no. Who are you and how does your journey look? What do you need? 
When, when I look at the Bible and I look at it through stage four, there's certain sections that are like, they sound really black and white. They just don't fit me. But if I go back to the oldest stuff, it's all stories. Have you ever noticed stories tend to not be so black and white? You know, the character shows up and they're kind of flawed and they don't do everything right and they, you know, they have this crappy past, but then they do this one moment where they do something good and then they fall off the wagon again and then they're back on again and I'm like, yeah, that's my life. That's the world around me. So what we're going to do in this next series, after we've dealt with this afterlife piece where we started to wrestle through this, we're going to go back to some of our most ancient stories, stories that have lasted for thousands of years. Just want to say, any story that's been around for thousands of years, there's probably something worth thinking about there. And we're going to ask these stories and put it through each of our journeys, unique. We're going to ask ourselves, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? Is there something beautiful here? Is there something I need to wrestle with? Is my answer different than yours and yours different than mine? That's what it means to live out of stage four, spirituality. It's to live in the tension. The world's not black and white. It's not simple. It's not one size fits all. Spirituality, then, I think, needs to also fit a world that complex. So I want to invite you to come out. Realize the tension you're living in. Wrestle with the tension. And learn to get comfortable in the tension. Starts... uh, February 12th. It's going to be a good one. Thanks, everyone. I'll pass it over to Alita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And um, we want to say thank you. Um, Friends Church relies a lot on um, our pre-authorized giving and That's just amazing because that means people believe in what we're doing here so much that they're willing to pre-authorize their giving so that it's coming every month, and that means so much to us. And um, if you're new here, um, we welcome you here, and if you've been here coming here for a while, then thank you for your charitable giving. And remember, there are three ways that um, you can donate online, you can donate at the black box at the back, or you can donate on um, the Friends Church app on at the Spiritual Gym. But it just means so much when we can um, rely on that monthly piece. So if you haven't looked at it in a while, maybe you want to look at that and just make sure that um, you're... Uh, information hasn't changed. It is tax season, so um, your tax receipts will be coming out this uh, next couple of weeks, so be watching for those, and remember to make sure that your information is con- and contact information is updated just in case uh, we need to email uh, you. That's how they come out, is through email, so make sure that we have the right email. Thank you. Thank you, Alita. Good morning, everyone. And uh, it's good to see you guys here. You are a hearty bunch. That was chilly this morning. We're getting spoiled. You know, we get soft, and, and then the cold comes, and it's like, oh, and then we harden up a little bit, and then we get soft again. That's happened to me about four times this year already. Hey, it's good to, good to have you here, and if you're listening online, glad you're joining us. I saw a bunch of people online all weighing in and waving and saying hi on our live stream. 
maybe you're part of our podcast and you're tuning in uh, at some point in the week, or maybe you're just catching up now. Uh, we welcome all of you. You're all part of our community, and we're, we're grateful that what we're doing is resonating in some way. Look, um, this morning, I, it's, I want to talk about heaven. Uh, we're in this afterlife series. But in order to get there, I want to talk about some, just some heavy stuff. Uh, like, you don't have to be around on earth. You don't have to be living very long um, in order to notice things that just seem very wrong. You know what I mean? Situations that just have a way of twisting you up inside, where you're going, no, that is... That's messed up. That shouldn't happen. I got called um, by Canadian Blood Services the other day. I donate platelets fairly regularly, but I happen to be a match. And they called me up and they said, could you come in and donate? We got someone that, that could really use your platelets. I said, oh, sure, I'll, I'll be in. So I, I'm in the chair. They're hooking me all up. I'm chatting with the nurse. And I say, hey, um, can you tell me anything about this person that I'm helping? And she's on her laptop. She says, he, actually, I can. Let me just look here. She's kind of flipping through some stuff. She says, oh, oh. She says, you're going to help out a little two-year-old girl today. I said, what? I said, what does that mean? She said, well, it's, it doesn't say everything here, but likely this little girl's suffering with leukemia. Likely she's needing a stem cell transplant. for this little girl? She says, well, the younger they catch it, the, the better the chance. Man, as a parent, I went to this dark place in just a moment and I'm just imagining that family taking their little sick kid into the hospital and not returning home that night with, with like, oh, just twists me up sometimes when I think about some of that stuff. Last summer, my boys and I, along with a few of their buddies, went to a driving range. We were, you know, these new driving ranges that got this new high-tech, they can track your ball. You can hit your ball way out there, and then there's a computer screen that tells you how far you hit it and the shape of it and all kinds of diagnostics. And you can play games. You can... So anyways, I had my three boys, and then they had some buddies there. One of the buddies who was with us, he had been a longtime friend. In fact, this kid had grown up with our boys here at Friends Church since they were like born. Lanny and Kathy were pregnant at the same time. And so anyways, Noah didn't know how to golf, but he came along. His brother was there and one other guy. Anyways, we were teaching Noah how to golf, having a great time. Noah was a great kid. He was home from 
uh, school. He had just graduated fourth year engineering, same mechanical engineering as my son, and uh, was going to go return to finish his master's in engineering. He's a big hulking kid, big kid, and just the nicest guy. But he couldn't golf with a darn. So we were <laughs> helping him, and, and uh, we had a great time. We were there for four hours, laughing. They served you drinks. Probably we had imbibed a little extra that day. Had a great time. Three weeks later, Kathy and I are in Kelowna. We're on the last day of a vacation, and my phone rings. It's in the morning, and it's Noah's mom, Lanny. And she's very emotional. And I said, uh, Lanny, uh, is everything okay? I'm, we're just in Kelowna. Can I call? And she's not talking. And I'm like, Lanny? And then I could hear the sobbing. She says, uh, she had to just push it out. She said, let Noah's gone. I went, wait, what? What? Where? Where? She said, he's gone. He died from a freak accident this morning. I did that funeral for Noah. The toughest funeral I've ever done. But I remember looking around in that auditorium. And beyond the tears was just this ache of people saying, this isn't right. This isn't supposed to go down this way. It doesn't take long to live on this planet before you watch stuff go down. That you're just going, ow. Oh. How can that be allowed? Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's death. That's premature death. These are sicknesses that aren't supposed to happen to innocent kids. We all have our stories, don't we? We all have something that has twisted us up inside. We're watching the Ukraine war right now. People running for that. They're already mourning the loss of someone that's been killed. But they're grabbing every valuable they have and they're running for their lives. You're just watching this and your power, you, what, are you, what are you supposed to do knowing that on the other side of the world, some part of the world, someone is living a literal hell to no fault of their own? How do you process this stuff? How do you somehow untwist what gets twisted up when you have to witness it, whether it's at a distance or up close, when it swings close to home and you're like, oh my God. Growing up, I noticed that in dark times like this, growing up in a very religious environment, people would talk a lot about the hope of heaven in times like this. You know, I'd hear people say it's tragic that her life ended so soon. Or that he was in so much pain and never knew a better life. But they're not suffering anymore. They're in a better place now. 
oh, he's happy now. She's looking down on you and she's smiling today. That person was never given a fair shake in life, born into that crazy family, and then to die that, oh, but that's okay. He's getting his turn now. It was like heaven was this place where all the bad things kind of got sorted out, got made right. I'm just curious if anyone has ever held that perception of heaven, being that kind of place. Maybe you were taught that growing up, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I did. It's funny, though there's tons of skepticism and perhaps even disdain toward this notion of hell. You know, there's a lot of people going, ah, I don't really buy that thing. It seems society's sentiment toward heaven toward the possibility that there is this next chapter where the darkness, the problems of life maybe get fixed. There's a lot softer acceptance toward that idea, I find. It's not so loaded with all those toxic emotions of fear and guilt and shame. Now, just in case anyone's wondering, this morning, I'm not here to make a case to try to convince you of some kind of literal heaven that exists beyond this life. Nor am I here to prove that there isn't one. That's way above my pay grade. No one's let me in on that secret. I can't prove it either way. But today I want to explore what perhaps is underneath these beliefs. This hope for heaven. What role is it that heaven has played for our spiritual ancestors throughout thousands of years? What do our tendencies to grasp onto a concept like heaven at certain times, in certain situations, what does it tell us about ourselves? What does it give us or help us do? Because I'm becoming convinced that having a better understanding of why Humanity throughout the ages has held on to these kinds of beliefs. Understanding why, why they have been perpetuated. Why it is we will adopt certain ones in different ways. The more we are understanding, perhaps, or aware of how we hold on to these beliefs can give us a better understanding, more awareness for what we're doing right here and right now in the midst of a twisted world, how we can help ourselves in the middle of these moments, these circumstances, these situations that leave us just gripped, aching, confused. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about the afterlife. And I, I, you know, one thing that has come off pretty obvious, if you've been listening is that these beliefs that we hold, whether it's hell, heaven, Satan, the devil, demons, you name it, these are not static beliefs. They have been morphing and evolving over time. They didn't just kind of get handed out and everyone just said, oh, okay, that's, that's how that thing works. No, it started somewhere. We talked about really in the earliest kind of stages, especially of Jewish spirituality, There was this understanding of heaven as not some kind of place where you go after you die. It it was more kind of 
It, it was an existence that you would experience here in your time on earth, because this is all you got. When you died, you died. They didn't have an imagination for something that happened beyond there. So what you did now mattered. And their way of making this the most, making the most of this life here and now was really about kind of pleasing the gods. The gods had a way, it seemed, they understood of kind of turning the lights on, making life work for you if you please them. In the Jewish tradition, they were a monotheistic religion. So they believed there was one true God, Yahweh. Man, just do what he's wanting you to do and life will go well for you. You do the right thing and hashtag blessed will be yours, man. You will live the dream. You will reap what you sow. So it's so good things. But sadly and tragic, sometimes tragically, though there were many times when life, like there were times when life didn't go that way. A really wonderful loving couple who wanted Children desperately. In fact, back in those days, to have children meant someone would take care of you as you got older. Someone could carry out the family business. It, it was a means of survival, not just, not just for later on, but actually as you approach your later years. There'd be a young couple dying to have a kid and couldn't. They'd done everything they'd possibly know to do. Well-meaning, Nothing. A father of a young, beautiful family with four kids gets stricken with some unknown disease and dies in the prime of his life, leaving his wife and young children to somehow survive in the midst of a harsh, dominated, male-dominated agrarian culture. It only take a few years for them to be pushed into absolute poverty. You just go, What? Not them. It only take a few of these kind of things, but there were many over the years where before long people started to question their understanding of how this would all work. You witness enough of these kinds of tragedies and unfair circumstances. And it's not surprising that their beliefs began to shift. It seems their frustration and, and angst with the unfairness of life began to morph their view of perhaps an afterlife, something beyond this life. They would watch these lives end tragically. They're going, no, that can't be how this chapter ends. And a new epoch, a new stage of believing was born. This new one was this belief that maybe when we die, the good people, the well-meaning people, the innocent people, the people that didn't do harm to other people, they were well-meaning. Perhaps their lives are kind of reborn, transformed. This ruach, this breath would be breathed back into them and they would get to come back and live an, an extension of their physical lives that they just finished. And they would get to live in a, in a better way and experience the good things that they were robbed of in the first life. You can read scripture in the Bible that refers to this kind of, of transformation of the bodies. 
But it didn't take long before that belief morphed again into this belief that, you know what, maybe the physical body just stays dead and our, our souls are reborn. Yeah, the body dies. Yeah, the coffin. It's, there's, a, there's a skeletal remains in there. Years later, we die, but our souls live on for an eternity. How many were raised with that kind of belief? That is a very common belief, still very established today. This began to cast new hope for people. Maybe all these people who were dealt bad cards in the first chapter, who had suffered some kind of injustice, unfairness, whose lives were cut short, even people who had always taken the high road, had done everything right in their life, but got screwed over by some other guy. And that guy ended up living a long life, and that guy got, no. It's like this concept of heaven in this afterlife. It might, there might be a way where the, the losers end up winning. Oh, I got to tell you something. I was raised in this kind of understanding, and I have, to, I have to be honest, it resonated with me. And still to this day, it helps me in some strange way. It's probably why I resonate so much with the teaching of Jesus. There were so many times when he'd tell parables that would talk maybe about this kind of concept. He often talked about a final judgment day. You know, it was kind of like the day where, where one's life on this earth would end and then it was like kind of a, a portal would open up and, and eternity would, would, would kind of be sitting there. And it was in this judgment day where all of a sudden all the lives of people that had lived would kind of get opened up and the truth would get told. And it was like, it was this process of justice kind of being served. I mean, one of my favorite ones was the, the sheep and the goats. Remember that story? Referenced it a couple weeks ago. Je- Jesus tells the story of a king. It was like on the judgment day, he describes this. All of humanity are going to be pulled in front of the king. And he's going to start dividing them into a couple groups. And then he's going to turn to one group. One of the groups. And he's going to say, surprise, all of you who did all those good things for people when you were here, in all those moments when you thought no one was watching, yeah, that time when that guy had his hand out and everyone was walking by, but you stopped. That time when you went and visited that guy, remember? His family had abandoned him. He was down and out, but you took time. He goes through a whole list of different kinds of things. And he says, surprise, I was watching. And I got good news for you. I got something great planned for all of you. (laughs) I read that story. I don't know what it does to you. But for me, I go, there's fairness. Good guys don't get screwed over. People that are willing to give a crap about someone, someone's watching out for them. Doesn't that do that for you? I go, yeah. 
Jesus would tell little stories like this where he'd just say, you know, you who were persecuted, you who got kind of given the shaft, you who got a raw deal in life, don't you worry. Someone's got something waiting for you. Can you imagine the effect of the listeners as they would hear these stories? What would happen inside of them? deserved better. I hope it works that way. That family, oh man, they deserve so much better than what they got. Yes. Jesus just had a way of saying one day, don't be fooled, there's justice coming. There's fairness so don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't lose heart. Someone's watching. Oh. In some weird way, man, that just helps me at times. If you look back through history, there have been different cultures that have been so deeply impacted by these stories of heaven and justice. There is an entire musical genre built by slaves in Africa, American, uh, African-American slaves brought over living unbearable lives and they latched onto this hope of heaven. And they would sing these songs. How many remember? How many have ever heard of the song "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot"? I could have I could have listed off all kinds of different songs. This, there's one lyric in this song: "I'm sometimes up and I'm sometimes down, coming forward to carry me home, but I know my soul is heavenly bound, coming forward to carry me home." These slaves would sing these songs in these unbearable conditions. They'd watched their family die. There was never good news around the corner. They knew freedom wasn't around the corner. Their freedom was found in heaven. They said, one day, one day justice gets served. And it might not happen in this life. It'll happen in the next. You, can you imagine what the hope of heaven gave these people? The ability to be able to get up an, another day. Put one foot in front of the other. The calm that it would bring knowing the truth one day was going to get told. And those that had a raw deal, it was coming. Might not feel like it right now, but it's coming. Let me ask you something. How do you process injustice? Like we live a pretty privileged life. Yes, it swings close every now and then. Yes, sometimes we watched loved ones suffering. Maybe you have gone through your own suffering. And in those moments, you've looked up and shook your fist, going, what is fair about this? How do you untwist yourself? How do you get out of bed the next day and then somehow move on? How do you watch the news when, when there's just, you, you know there's people suffering on the other side? Some of you, like my, my wife, has family in Ukraine. She's literally talking with these people as their lives are being taken apart. 
So it may, maybe it's not heaven. I watch some people, they say, I, 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 I got to do something. There's one woman who used to be a part of our community. She's out in, on the island, Vancouver Island. She got involved in a Ukrainian mission, helping people relocate. She's given some heavy time and resources to help these people. She says, am I fixing everything? No, but I'm doing frickin' something. A lot of the volunteering you might do. There's people getting involved in these different organizations, whether it's to end suffering or maybe it's just to give a kid a better shot. It's these little ways that we can find to untwist ourselves. Heaven was one of those for some, especially for those that were completely powerless. And to be honest, for me, even today, there's a side of heaven that helps me reconcile those situations. It seems there's nothing I can do, but I know that that thing is happening. Perhaps something lies on the other side. I think you'd be wise to think about how you process injustice. What, you, what do you do when you watch things that aren't right? There's something else that heaven gives us that seems it's done for humanity since going back thousands of years. And that is the ability to cope with grief. This is another major role that heaven seems to have played for people who have lost people too soon or just lost people that left such a gaping hole. You know, I've been asking people a lot about heaven over these last couple weeks as I've been writing this message. And I kind of, it's funny, I, when life is good, when, when things are rolling, when people feel immortal, <laughs> And they feel like heaven's way, I mean, the death is way out there. They kind of joke about heaven. They're going, ah, I think in eternity with harps and angels will get old. I hope there's something more going on. Please tell me there's a golf course up there, Jarvis. I, I, you know, we laugh. And I have to admit, the concept seems a little outdated. It's like, oh, is there something to look forward to? Oh. But the tones around heaven change when death comes knocking or it swings close. That's one thing I've noticed. I've done a lot of funerals in my day. And these same people who are joking about heaven, all of a sudden I can hear it in their language. They lose someone that they love dearly. And they're going, please no. Please, no. And their mind starts to imagine, what, what now? Where is this person? Eric Clapton wrote that song, Tears in Heaven, back in the 90s. Breakaway tune. Contemplating whether his daughter will even remember him one day in heaven. 
He says, I don't even think I'm going to belong there, but I hope you, you, you recognize me. Heaven hadn't been a part of his vocabulary, not until his daughter died. And then he began wrestling. You know, over the years I've read and, and recited different poems and readings at funerals that talked about heaven. There was a season where actually I stopped. I didn't want to bring it up because I was wrestling with the concept. I'm like, man, is this just a crutch? Is this just a, like no one can prove this. People are offering all these pithy statements around heaven. You know what? I don't know if that's even right. There was time I wouldn't even talk about it. But the more I've watched, and when death swung close in my life, things began to change. There was this one poem that I remember reading. And it was at a time when I was lost because I had lost someone I loved. And... uh, remember reading it and it just did something for me and so I want to read this and I'm going to invite you you got someone you love that you lost you got someone who's left a hole in your heart I want you to picture them as I read this and you tell me what this does for you it's called when tomorrow starts without me When tomorrow starts without me and I'm not there to see, if the sun should rise and find your eyes all filled with tears for me, I wish so much you wouldn't cry the way you did today while thinking of the many things we didn't get to say. I know how much you love me and as much as I love you. And each time that you think of me, I know you'll miss me too. But when tomorrow starts without me, please try to understand that an angel came and called my name and took me by the hand and said my place is ready in heaven far above and that I'd, I'd have to leave behind all those I dearly love. But as I turned to walk away, a tear fell from my eye for all my life I had always thought I didn't want to die. I had so much to live for, so much left to do. It seemed almost impossible that I was leaving you. I thought of all the yesterdays, the good ones and the bad, and then I thought of all the love we shared and all the fun we had. If I could relive yesterday, just even for a while, I'd say goodbye and kiss you and maybe see you smile. But then I, I fully realized that this could never be for emptiness and memories would have to take the place of me. When I thought of worldly things I might miss come tomorrow, I thought of you. And when I did, my heart was filled with sorrow. But when I walked through heaven's gates and I felt so much at home, when God looked down and smiled at me from his great golden throne, He said, this is eternity and all that I've promised you. Today, your life on earth is past, but here life starts anew. 
You've been so faithful, so trusting, and so true. Though there were times you did some things you knew you shouldn't do. But you've been forgiven. And now at last you're free. So you won't, so won't you come and take my hand and share my life with me? So when tomorrow starts without me, don't think we're far apart. For every time you think of me, hey, I'm right here in your heart. I I read that, I remember. Just going, I don't know if it's true. But does that help me? Yeah. Yeah. How do you process grief and loss? How do you say goodbye? How do you deal with that hole that gets left behind? There are a lot of different ways we do it. Some will go into a group, group counseling session. Some will see just a therapist on their own. Some will just turtle, go into their own place and quietly grieve. But I tell you, for thousands of years, this hope of heaven, this hope that perhaps one day we'll see this person It's played a beautiful role in people's lives. Maybe maybe you were like me. Maybe at one time you would hear people talking about heaven and you'd mock. You go, oh, geez, give me a break. I think if nothing else, for those of you here today, they would look at that and go, yeah, no. Maybe you'll have a little empathy for those who are using, who are finding some kind of way to be able to, to grieve and to say goodbye to someone they love. And maybe you could, you could even offer support that might say something like, you know, I bet she's smiling down at you right now. We will face trouble. We will face dark times. We will watch things that get, get us all twisted up. And throughout the ages, people have found beliefs like these. Have helped them get up in the morning, faced another day. Now I know if you're here in stage two this morning, you're going, Jeff, you are pissing me off right now. You need to tell me that this is true and this is how it goes down and I want to know for sure. I'm sorry. I'm hoping. I have a hope in heaven. That's all I got. But it's playing a role in my life right now. And perhaps if that's you this morning, stage four would say, good for you. Let her ride. 
You have other ways of coping and dealing with your grief. It's okay too. Good. Hang on to those. If you're here this morning, and even as I'm bringing some of this stuff up and it's triggering thoughts inside of you, maybe you realize even in this moment, you're going, oh, I was not ready. Or there's unfinished business here. Or this is bringing up a bunch of stuff. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Maybe you need some help. Hey, we're here. We would love to be able to help, guide, help you in any way we can. I asked the band to come and play a song to close this up. And uh, I love it. Maybe I think this song, it's called A Place on Earth. And it's somewhere probably, it was written with this, this belief that perhaps Perhaps there isn't an afterlife, but perhaps, but heaven can be here. And you can tell it's written out of this longing. There's a longing for justice in this world, this human craving for things to be made right here and now. As they sing it, I, I don't know where you're at with any of this, but I hope you're processing hard. I hope that. I hope maybe it's left you going, I haven't even thought about that before. I just... Ah, good. I hope, I hope it takes you into some recesses of your life. Because this is what helps us live more present and more aware. So, look at They're going to play this song. They're going to play it out. And then we'll be dismissed. My prayer for you today is that you would wrestle with concepts of heaven. You'd wrestle with injustice and unfairness that you're watching around you. Maybe loss and grief. And through thinking about all this stuff, you just be able to ground yourself more with an acceptance of where we sit right in today's world and gives you maybe a way forward to face tomorrow morning again.